You're listening to the St. Mark's Podcast for August 22nd, 2021, the 13th Sunday after Pentecost. Today's sermon was given by the Reverend Dr. Justin E. Crisp. It's based on John chapter 6, verses 56 through 69. So we have spent the last four Sundays talking in different ways about bread. I'm sure you all are either excited to hear one more sermon about bread or you are annoyed you're about to hear one more sermon about bread. We started with Jesus' miraculous feeding of the 5,000 using only five loaves and two fishes the first week. And then over the last three, we've seen Jesus gradually redirect the crowds following him away from the miracle of the multiplying loaves away from his power towards himself. The whole sequence of these last four weeks of lectionary readings from John's sixth chapter are part of St. John's unveiling of the deeper spiritual truth of the feeding miracle, of the feeding of the 5,000, as well as behind the story of the institution of the Eucharist. A story of the institution of the Eucharist, which we find in the Gospels of Saints Matthew, Mark, and Luke. There in these so-called synoptic Gospels, Jesus gathers with his friends on the night before he was to die to celebrate the Passover meal, at which he takes bread and says, this is my body, and takes a cup of wine and says, this is my blood. And then he tells them to do this over and over in remembrance of him. That's how it goes in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And the next day, the day after Passover, is when Jesus dies in those Gospels. But in John's Gospel, the timeline is shifted a day. Not because John disagreed with Matthew, Mark, and Luke about the historical record, so much as that John has a different agenda John is trying to make clearer the saving significance of Jesus' words and actions, both on the day that he died and also the night before. In John, the disciples don't meet for the Last Supper on the day of Passover. Rather, they meet the night before Passover. And then Jesus actually dies on Passover itself. So the timeline from the Synoptic Gospels is backed up a day. Jesus dies on Passover in John because Jesus is the new Passover lamb by whose sacrifice God has cleansed the whole world of its sin, engrafting the whole world into the saving covenant and special love which God has heretofore had for the people Israel. And something like a year before that Passover in John, the Passover on which Jesus dies, John puts the feeding of the 5,000. So some year before the Passover of Good Friday comes the feeding miracle, which we've been studying these last three weeks as Jesus has had this difficult, complex conversation with his disciples afterward. Conversations in which Jesus says not of bread, this is my body, but rather of his body, this is your bread. For John, 
The true significance of the feeding of the 5,000 is not the actual feeding of the 5,000. Although, that was wonderful and necessary. It's never a bad thing when hungry people are fed. Never a bad thing when God feeds hungry people. But John thinks the real significance of that miracle is that the same power which multiplied the bread, the loaves, and the fishes given to Jesus by that little boy will subsequently multiply the bread of Jesus' own body, the one of which he speaks when he says, my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. I am the bread of life, and so on. That that same power would multiply Jesus' body among gatherings of believers on altars of wood and stone and plains and fields, separated from one another by thousands of miles and thousands of years, and separated each of them sometimes by thousands of miles and thousands of years as we are today from the saving event which this meal would all put them in contact. Jesus' death on a cross on a hill outside Jerusalem one Friday in the first century. In the inimitable words of Dom Gregory Dix, an English Benedictine monk, and liturgical reformer of the early 20th century. Was ever another command so obeyed? Was ever another command so obeyed? For century after century, spreading slowly to every continent and country and among every race on earth, this action has been done. In every conceivable human circumstance, for every conceivable human need from infancy and before it, to extreme old age and after it, from the pinnacle of earthly greatness to the refuge of fugitives in the caves and the dens of the earth, men have found no better thing than this to do for kings at their crowning and for criminals going to the scaffold, for armies in triumph, or for a bride and bridegroom in a little country church, for the proclamation of a dogma or for a good crop of wheat, for the wisdom of the parliament of a united nation, or for a sick old woman afraid to die, for the famine of whole provinces, or for the soul of a dead lover, in thankfulness because my father did not die of pneumonia, or for the settlement of a strike, for a son, for a barren woman, for captain so-and-so wounded and prisoner of war, while Lions roared in the nearby amphitheater or on the beach at Dunkirk, tremulously by an old monk on the 50th anniversary of his vows, furtively by an exiled bishop who had hewn timber all day in a prison camp near Murmansk, gorgeously for the canonization of St. Joan of Arc, but best and most gorgeously of all, week by week and month by month, on a hundred thousand successive Sundays, faithfully unfailing across all the parishes of Christendom. The pastors have done just this, to make the plebs sancta Dei, the holy common people of God. And that, friends, is why we have come here on the brink of a tropical storm to do it again. 
In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You can find more sermons on our website at www.stmarksnewcanon.org.